tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 106. Are there things in your past that you'd like to forget? Things done by you or done to you that you prefer to sweep under the rug and pretend they don't matter? Well, I hope you'll listen to today's conversation with Allie Patterson, because her story, though filled with so much shame and pain, well, given into the Lord's hands, is bringing Him so much glory. Her worst mistake has become a tool that God is using to set other people free from guilt and shame. I know you're going to be blessed. I certainly was. I am so excited to have Allie Patterson with us today. We're going to be talking about her book, How to Stay Standing, Three Essential Practices for Building a Faith that Lasts. Oh my goodness, Allie, we need this message so, so much. Can you tell us a little bit about how it came to be? Sure, of course. Well, the um, thank you for having me on, first of all. Um, this message is so near and dear to my heart because it really was born out of what I have lived through with Jesus in my own life. And lo and behold, I discovered it in the Bible years after I started living it. And um, so there actually is a piece of scripture that's sort of the heart of the book. And it contains the practices coming from the words of Jesus that the book is based on, but they were truly born out of what I lived in my own story. So I'll tell you kind of where they originated first. And um, it really was when I was first beginning to build my life. I was in my early 20s and we all set about having some kind of idea of what kind of life we think we're going to build. And I really thought I had the right answers to that. I I had a great guy. I I had done all the right stuff all the way through school. I had worked hard and gotten good grades and I had a great corporate job that I was going into. Um that was, I thought was exactly what I wanted to do. And all the things that the world tells you to do um, that actually make a lot of good sense, uh, all of those things were exactly the ways that I had gone about building my life. And I say that, um, like, I kind of stumbled into a, a time in my life where I began to realize that that was not going to be good enough. And it wasn't going to be good enough, not because I wasn't working it, doing it, you know, successful at what I was doing. It wasn't good enough because I wasn't strong enough to hold everything together. Mm-hmm. And I began to realize, oh, there's like deep needs in me that are causing problems in my life. And so when I was in my early 20s, I got involved with an affair. In, with a man that I worked with. And that was the kind of inciting incident or era of time where everything began to fall apart. But as I look at back at it, I could tell it really was just the final blow because all the things that that were leading to that were already there. If it if it hadn't been that, it would have been something else. There were cracks mm-hmm. in the very foundation that I was building on. And what I was doing made good sense, right? It's exactly what the world had taught me to do. And I did it very well. I just discovered, and now I truly 
thank God for kind of burning that down to the ground so early so that I did not try to hold a life together doing that for a decade or a couple of decades. Mm -hmm. So during that really dark period of time is when I discovered um, there's a real God and he's willing to be here with me. And I began to try to relate to him in a real way in the middle of my darkness. And it was in that terrible space that I discovered what now many years later I've written about and discovered in scripture are kind of the principles of how you build a life that is strong enough to last. And really it's about the core of it is about your faith in Christ because anything we build on him stands and anything we build on something else falls. And I guess I just, I guess I just thought I was good enough, smart enough, strong (laughs) enough, you know, all those things. And, um, yeah. And I, I wasn't, and I, I actually thank him now for allowing such a complete crash so that I, so that I gave up those ideas pretty early on in my life. I love that because really it kind of echoes the story of my own life where the Lord let everything that I was building on, you know, for me, it was being a good girl, doing good things, love Jesus. But I was caught in this idea that my works was my security. And he allowed all of that to come crashing down. And actually, I love that you really kind of centered the book on the story of the wise man and the foolish man, because I touch on that in my own book on trusting God, that we've got to be willing to look at what lies underneath, because there's cracks and holes in our foundation. Yes. Well, I I really believe most people at any given time know the one area of their life where they're kind of closing one eye. They're not. They don't mm. want to look at something. They don't want to acknowledge a point of weakness that might be in their personal character. It might be in their marriage. It might be in how they're approaching their career. We all have those things which are cracks in the things that we care about. And what I, what I figured out, um, I say too late, but the Lord's timing is never too late. I figured out in the middle of my worst days that all of those little things were actually, um, warning signs to what was coming. And that's why I think I, sparked to the parable that Jesus tells about the wise and foolish builder. Because um, if you look at that parable, there are two builders and they're both building. It's not like one guy is build, is being a lazy bum, right? right? They're both actively building something that they want, that they think is important, that they want to stand. And the, the wise builder actually digs all the way down to a foundation. And um, Jesus says on the way into that parable, which is what the book is really based on, he says in, on the way in that everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what he is like. And that's the wise builder. So the book really takes a look at what did Jesus mean? What does it mean to come to him, to hear his word, and to put it into practice in our life? Because that right there, that's 
that's the key to becoming the wise builder. And so the book is divided into three parts and we kind of look at, you know, I always say, I'm not interested in faith that are just platitudes you could embroider on a pillow. I don't want a pillow that says, come to Jesus. What I want is I want to know what he meant. I want to know what Mm -hmm. does that mean? What does it look like? What happens in scripture when he, when he issues an invitation for someone to come to him? Cause he does that over and over again. So the book really kind of pulls apart each one of those practices and, and in many ways gets very practical because I just want to demystify. I don't think it's helpful to have a faith where we just talk about nice things that, that doesn't interest me. I don't think it helps people. I, and, and I can, I can say, you know, as I look back during that very, very dark time in my life, I realized I sort of accidentally that's the word I sometimes use. I sort of accidentally started doing those things. And it was much, Mm. much later that I realized that I kind of stumbled into the secret of becoming a real follower of Christ. And I did it out of desperation and in darkness and in, you know, desire for something beyond myself. And lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, those three things saved my life. And they not only saved it, they totally rebuilt it. And so that's why that's why I'm I'm so passionate about um, what you discover in those practices is that God is real, He's good, He's for you, He's going to lead you out, He loves you, His plans are much better than yours, and anything that is crashed can be rebuilt even better. And so um, you know that's just the story of my life. And so um, the book is not it's not really written from or through my own story only because what I, what I want people to want is Jesus. I want people to read the book and want him. So yes, I tell parts of my life and story through it, but really what I want is I don't want you to read the book and think, boy, I'd like to know Allie. What I want you to read the book and think is I want (laughs) to know that God. I want to know that Jesus. And so um, that's truly what I hope for. And it's so evident throughout the whole book. It really is. And I, and it's very, it is very practical. It's very, um, it, I was reading, reading it and just, you really do take us on this beautiful journey to not like, this is what I did and what you need to do, but you actually kind of put some feet to it. And it's, you've got these super practical sections that you invite us to do and, and kind of engage with even some really good theology in here, you know, of just <laughs> the timeline and the, the beautiful pathway of scripture. And so I, I just want to encourage those of you who are out there listening. She doesn't just say, come here and practice. She actually gives you some tools to do it. But I'd like us to come back to that first point, because I think initially we all come to Jesus. We all understand we need a savior, but this idea that we can even come in our brokenness and our failures, and even for those who are out there who have known Jesus, but they they have, like you said, cracks in their foundation have led to some pretty, pretty devastating results. And they're like, "Can I come? I don't feel worthy." How did how did the Lord woo you to Him, or you know, how did that work? You know, it's interesting because um, 
I have talked to many people who will say things like, well, I don't want to come to Jesus now just when I'm desperate because I didn't ever come to him before. And I always say to that, no, no, stop. No, yeah. that's not the, no, stop that thinking now because what, what he wants is under any circumstances for us to arrive at his feet and say, okay, I'm here. And we, yeah. for me, what that looked like once was of course, a, a total just collapse of everything that I cared about in my life. But after that was a much harder coming to him because um, I was so ashamed. And so forgiveness, you can be forgiven and even know you're forgiven, which I did and know that I was forgiven fairly quickly. I would say in the big scheme of things, I believed that deeply in my heart that I was forgiven by him. But I was so ashamed. And I did not know until probably a handful of years later that I was so incredibly shut down. And I, I was living this very small life because of the shame. And removing our shame is a completely different thing than actually offering forgiveness. Mm. And in I could not live the life that that Jesus truly meant for me to live and maintain that kind of shame. And so it was like this whole separate process. He had, I had to come and he had to woo me and convince me that I was worth something again, that I, it was okay for me to speak, that I could look people in the face, that I was worth knowing that I was a good wife, that I was a kind friend, that I was a truth teller. Hmm. And yeah. he had to, lovingly convince me after I'd, I, I knew I was forgiven and I believed it. I was just so ashamed. And so that yeah. was a very, I, that was a very long journey because you have to believe what he says about you. And that is very different than saying, okay, I'll take your forgiveness for my sin. Thank you very much. And now he goes, that's not enough for me. I want all the life back. I want everything about you redeemed, including how you think about yourself. Mm. And so for me, that was a much harder process yeah. because it was so, it was so the cardinal sin. You know what I, I mean? It, mm -hmm. as I think about the things that nice women don't do, this tops the list. This is like a number one. And for many, many years, I didn't want to own my history with God and my story yeah. of how he had redeemed my life because I didn't want to go back there. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to have to feel that way again. And all mm. that does is um, steal the beauty and the glory out of what he's done. And so I... I always want so much for people to feel free around me to, to say what they really have been through. And I, I, I volunteer in a, a prison on a pretty regular basis. And it's amazing what going through true forgiveness and, and redemption in your own life, there is almost nothing that, that you could say to me that I wouldn't just go, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Right. Got it. Like, 
And so I sit in, I sit in the inside of a prison with the women who feel unredeemable and I don't even flinch when they tell me their stories. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay. You know what? Yeah. You're, you are not that day. You are not that decision. Mm. You are worth so much and you don't even know it. And your life is not yeah. over and God can do amazing things with you. And um, somebody has to step in the gap and say that, or we will keep believing what we were. Yeah. Was there someone who said that for you, who stood, stepped into that gap? Not for a long time. I felt very, very alone. And mm-hmm. again, that's why um, I've, been, I, I've been meeting with a young woman who's gone through something similar in her life. And I, when, when I met her, I thought to myself, I'm the only one who knows exactly what she needs to hear right now. Because I was desperate for somebody to speak to me like that. Mm -hmm. And Jesus can fill in the blanks, right? But he would love to be able to send a person. (laughs) Yes. And and so, yes, I did have people eventually that showed me that kind of kindness and that believed in the possibility of forgiveness and redemption in my life, but not soon enough and not loud enough. It took me a long Mm -hmm. time. Yeah, And, um, so when the Lord sends me women now, which he regularly does, um, you, and I am not, I am not, um, I'm a truth teller. I like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just be sunshine and roses. If there's things that need to happen, then there's things that need to happen because I know repentance is real. Like there needs to be some changes for real, but you also need somebody besides you saying, God has amazing plans for your life. Here's who you were made to be. This is what I yeah. see in you. I mean, you. Yeah. We we need that desperately, and we need that with flesh on. You know, we need a person, ideally, saying that to us. So, I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that Jesus can be that. We don't have to wait for that person. Yeah. But that's a whole nother level of, of healing. You know, I think when scripture says that confess your faults one to another and pray for one another, that you can be healed. A lot of that is, is here's my shame and to feel the love of God through another person saying, I see it. And I love that. I, I think that's so important. And sometimes I think unless we're willing to acknowledge our own brokenness, you know, whether, whether it's, um, for me, you know, the good girl who wanted to be good and couldn't seem to get it together or, um, you know, I don't like Allie. I mean, I don't know about you, but was it like really hard to grasp that you did what you did? Was that part of getting over it? Oh, absolutely. Because the first person you need to tell the truth to is yourself. And we yeah. all have this, this version of ourselves in our minds that we have tried to be. And I think, I, I think most of us, that's a, that's a, that's a nice ideal, but that's not who you're being, who you're being is what yeah. you're doing in the world. When, when you're out being somebody, you need to tell the truth to yourself about who that is. And, um, and I talk about a moment in the book actually, that was very much the first moment that happened. And it, I, I was looking at myself in the mirror 
And I just started mm-hmm. talking to myself saying like, this is who you're actually being. It doesn't matter who you thought you were. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter who you wanted to be. This is the truth about who you are right now. Mm-hmm. And um, that was very important. And I, it wasn't about um, condemning or, or speaking lies over myself. It was about truth because right. you can't meet the truth is the beginning of everything real with God. So, you know, sometimes we avoid it because we want to be positive or we want to, you know, we just want to speak God's promises. Well, here, you know what I say? You got to start with the truth (laughs) because sometimes the truth is a little ugly and that's where he wants to meet you is, is in the truth and, and then take, and then take you to something beautiful and wonderful, but you can't go there if you won't meet him in the truth of, of what's really happening and who you really are. Oh, that's so good, Allie. So good. I had this thought come to me several weeks ago. What is hidden can't be forgiven. Now, what that means is, of course, God can forgive anything, but we're not going to experience it if we don't own it. And, you know, I think a lot of us, we're so busy trying to outrun you know, our shame or out or try to go, well, that's under the blood and I don't have to, I don't have to look at it too close, but we feel like frauds because we've never really gotten honest. And, And what's so sad is in our refusal to get honest, we miss what Jesus came for. Like he didn't come for perfect or people who pretended to be perfect. He came for people who were willing to say, oh, what a wretch I am. What a wretched sinner I am. Have mercy on me, son of David. And that goes for good girls. You know, I, I often say, I think those of us who have tried to be perfect and, and uh, just are so disappointed that we're not, we need a savior more than, than those who have had a dark, sordid past because we don't understand the good news that Jesus came to bring. I'm actually teaching um, soon on Ephesians chapter two, and I'm really hitting hard on the fact that it's really difficult for nice people to get that you're as spiritually dead as anybody else. Yes. And it is, it is so difficult. Like the more decent a life you're living, the nicer a person you are, the more difficult it is to get a hold of the fact that the way out of your spiritual problem is not doing better. Yes. It's, li- it's life because yeah. you are dead and you're just as dead as everybody else. And so, mm. it, but I think the nicer and more decently you live your life, the more offensive that message can mm. be. Oh yeah. And that's, it can be very offensive to people to say, I, I actually had a woman yell at me in a Bible study once. <laughs> She said, do you mean to tell me that God doesn't care that I've spent my whole life trying to be a good person? I said, no, no. God very much cares about how you're living. And he sees that your heart in it. It's just that those things don't solve your core problem. You're dead. Yeah, exactly. And, and so when you come back to life, that's a different problem. Then he wants to deal with how you're living. And yes, he sees that all. And yes, he knows right. what you're up to. It just doesn't solve the core spiritual problem you face, which is you are dead. So doing better things isn't going to make you more alive. (laughs) Jesus is the life of God. Amen. And so, you know, that I, I do think that, um, the more 
a decent church going, nice person. You know, I live in the Midwest, so Midwesterners say hi and smile at each other and we're all very polite. You know, the more you have this guise of, I'm a pretty nice person, the harder it is to accept the starting point, which we are all at, really. Absolutely. And isn't that kind of what's offensive even to the world? They don't want to be told they're sinners. Well, I, I'm not that bad. And so we don't understand that God's not saying you're terrible, but you're dead and I want to make you alive. He's saying, he's saying, you've been separated from me and I want you to be my child. I just want to love you. And I think even as Christians, you know, I think it was Greg Laurie who made this comment. He said, before we become a Christian, Satan tells us, you're a good person. You don't need a savior. And after we become a Christian, he says, you're horrible. You don't deserve a Christian. You don't deserve a savior. And he gets us coming or going. I think that's so important for someone out there to hear. Someone who's struggling with dark shame and they're like, oh, Joanne, if you knew my story, there's no way they would even let me in the church if they knew my story. And I'm like, oh my word, it's your story that brings him glory. (laughs) Yes. You know, we are so afraid. And that's what I learned because we want to be loved and we want to be accepted yeah. and received. And the the most beautiful thing as I've learned over years and years now to just um, let the truth of my story out is that people feel safe with you and you're then able to pass mm. on the love of God to them. And if you yes. just sit back and, you know, in your nice exterior being a decent person, people may like you, but they are not going to expose anything real mm. and risk your bad opinion of them. So I just, I just cut them off at the pass and go ahead and give them a story to judge me on. And then we're all on the same playing field. <laughs> and then, then I am equipped to look them in the face and say, you're loved so far beyond that. There's life for you so, so far beyond those things that are just trying to, you know, pull you down and, and keep you in this small afraid space. And truly, Joanna, there are still people in my life that would rather, I just would have swept it under the carpet and moved on back to being a nice person. Sure. And And I totally get why. I just feel like part of what God has offered me the chance to do is um, help people connect to a real, living, loving God. And I can't do that without my story. I can't do that. Absolutely. Otherwise, we're just good moral people who, who do the church thing. But when we can go, this is where I was, and this is where God brought me. And even as a good girl that I can go, Oh, listen, fellow Pharisees, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you have a heart after God, but you're missing the good news Mm -hmm. and you're settling for whitewashed tombs and dead man bones. And to be able to go, I need you, Jesus. In the book, I talk about when Jesus speaks to the Pharisees and he says, you study the scriptures because in them you think is life, but you refuse to come to me to have life. Oh. He says, he actually says that their issue 
is not that they don't know the word of God. It's just like the foolish builder. He heard the word of God and he built something. Yep. He just never brought himself to Jesus. He never came to Jesus. Yeah. And that's exactly what Jesus says to the Pharisees. It's the posture of your heart before me. It's not about whether you know the word of God. You could sit in a church building for the rest of your life every single Sunday and be the foolish builder because he heard the word of God and he actually mm. built something. He just never brought his heart before Jesus. He never fully yeah. came to him. And that that's why the come to Jesus, the come section of the book is probably my favorite because it's the engine to the others. It, it starts the whole yes. thing. Yes. You know, when we just lay ourselves out before the Lord and say, are you there? Do, are you good? Do you love me? Can you speak to me? What the heck is going on here? That's a good enough way to come. That's the best way to come. I have never come to him in any way that feels undone that he has not met me in that space somehow. Oh, I so agree. Allie, I so, I so agree. And again, that's the good news of the gospel. It's not, it's not this outer holiness that we've kind of made it. You know, I was just reading Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for the, His Highest. And yesterday's devotion said, we get so consumed by our own personal whiteness and this outward religion that if it doesn't start with this personal relationship it's it's a form of religion but we miss the power we miss the intimacy and the friendship that is ours when we just come undone and messy and in desperate need of a savior what does um revelation say that we defeat the power of the enemy in our life by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony yeah i mean we 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 can't just half that you know right. I, could, I could i could stand up on you know the stage at my church and i could preach to tens of thousands of people about what jesus has done mm -hmm. but it will lack the power of my testimony with it mm -hmm. i could i could double that with Hey, do you know what God can do in a real life? You know, this is yes. what the blood of of Jesus means in a real life. And yeah. that's um, you know, we we cannot be afraid of that. And I know how yeah. scary it is to tell your story, but it it breaks open God's power for you and his plans for your life. And don't you think it gets us unlocked from the story that we've believed we'll be locked in forever. Yes. And it helps us like enter into a different story. A hundred percent. I just get so excited about what Jesus can do. You know, he loves us. He's forgiven us, but he's the life-changing God. Yep. But it comes through coming and getting honest. Yeah. And, and it's impossible to convince someone of that what I want to do is show you how that's, that's why the book is called how to stay standing because you're, you need your own personal evidence. Yeah. And God knows how to give it. He knows how to give it to you and he wants to give it to you. Yes. So I can just try to open the doors for that and I can tell you about mine, but ultimately what I hope is that it will be a how to for you to go after him yourself, because you will become convinced of him. You will. Yeah. And, um, and I, I want to go like, 
hey, come this way, come this way. But, um, and, and maybe, maybe think about these things and, and try these things because there's a living God. Yeah. There's a living God. And, um, and I want, I, I, I just want people to, um, I want people to know him. Amen. I mean, that's, that's really, that's really the heart of everything that I do in my life because, um, wherever you are, whatever you're running from or hiding from, he's already there. He already knows it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just so much better with him, even if it's a long process and a hard process, which it, it definitely is, um, you know, very experimental, very messy, very uncertain. But the funny thing is you, you said this earlier that you tried to build a life that made you secure and the way to security is actually through trust and risk and uncertainty when you put that all on him. Mm. And soon you go like, I don't need to be sure of the outcome. I just need to be sure of the God. Yes. Um, And that begins to give you confidence that goes way beyond your circumstances because it's confidence in him. It's not confidence in your ability to make something happen for yourself. It's the good news. It's the good news. It's everything he came for. You know, one of the things that I I just love about your story, Allie, is, of, of course, what the Lord has done. But, you know, I think there's some people out there, again, who the shame has still got them locked down. Um, they're, they they love Jesus. They may even be doing ministry, but they have this secret fear. If they really knew who I was and what I've done, they would not want anything to do with me. But as you got honest before the Lord and honest through others, God has used that story. And even those places of brokenness in my life, I feel like he's used those more than the places that I had together as we just make ourselves accessible. But God, um, for that that woman out there that just thinks, well, I messed up so bad that I'm probably disqualified for God's best. I'd love to have you pray for her, but I also want to just let that listener know that Allie is on staff at a large church. She's going to be preaching on Sunday and the following Sunday. God's given her a a realm of influence as she's just made herself and even her story available to him. And so, you know, there's a part of me that just wants wants to say, you can come out now. You don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to be afraid anymore. Jesus can redeem it all. I'll be happy to pray for that person. And I think sometimes the the key fear that we have is the loss that can um, accompany that truth. And that that is very real. Yeah. That is very real. Yeah. And um, I I lost many things when I began to truly seek God, but don't forget that anything that's lost can be given back. Anything that, yeah. that you feel that you're risking to go to him and tell the truth and try to make things right, or try to come to him instead of holding things together yourself, anything that you are afraid to lose, you might not, first of all, and anything that right. you actually lose he can give back to you tenfold. I mean, it is yeah. nothing for him. 
So I think it's that fear of loss, whether that's the loss of a relationship, the loss of a job. Mm -hmm. And, and it's through, through real loss that we come to understand that anything we lose for Christ, we will one day count as great, great gain. And what I look back many years later and see, and it was painful and I did suffer a lot of loss and I don't, I don't want to be, um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to look back with rose colored glasses and sugarcoat that, but I will say anything that I lost, he either replaced, redeemed, renewed, or I came to understand that it was never mine to begin with. It was never real to begin mm. with. And so mm. the things that are yours and from him will still be yours and will still be from him. And anything you lose in coming to him, you will very soon not regret. And uh, But I just want to acknowledge that kind of loss because I do think the fear of some kind of loss often keeps us hiding and often keeps us quiet. That is so powerful. I'm so glad that you said that, Allie, because it is a risk, but but staying stuck is really painful and really risky as well. So thank you for praying for us. Um, Lord Jesus, we, um, we just acknowledge that you are the one who gives life and you're the one who gives everything good and you're the one who is strong enough to help us stand up again in all the places that we're either down and out right now, or we might be soon. I pray that right now you would give, um, you would give us vision for the cracks that are in all of our foundations. Mm -hmm. And I pray specifically for the women that are listening that know the area that you're touching on right now. And I pray for them not to be afraid. I pray that you would meet them in that place of fear and that you would invite them into more life. And I ask, Lord, that you would redeem and renew any loss for your sake. Anyone who comes to you and in doing so loses something, I pray that you would um, renew, redeem, and replace that with the life that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I sure hope you were listening closely today because we went to church, my friends. We heard the good news in all of its beauty. And that good news... Well, it can be yours today. I want to encourage you, don't spend another moment locked down in your past. Instead, bring it all. Bring all the pain. Bring all the shame. Bring it to Jesus. Because He not only wants to heal your heart, He wants to help you build your life on a new foundation so that no matter how much Satan huffs and puffs, He won't be able to blow your life down. Well, you can find links to Allie's book in the show notes, but I've also included a link to the Embracing Trust 5-Day Challenge. Just go to joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash ET Challenge to sign up to receive a beautiful workbook, as well as daily emails that feature short videos. Um, But hey, also be sure to head over to YouTube because I'm posting there regularly and you'll find living room interviews there as well. It's kind of fun because you get to see my amazing guests face-to-face 
grace and feel their passion for Jesus. I hope you'll hit subscribe and the thumbs up button, but be sure to leave a comment as well because I'd love to connect with you there. It's really my prayer that this podcast and the YouTube channel will give you practical tools to build your life on the only foundation that matters, the only foundation that will stand forever, the rock of Jesus Christ. For as we build our life on Him, He's going to help us live and love and lead like Him.